I'm C.J. Layton, coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studios in Lake Wales, Florida, home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowlers Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show was regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because, quote, people need to know what you know, end quote. This PBA and bowling writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002, 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So Phantom fans, here's your host, Len Nicholson, The Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ, and a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. For all of your lane maintenance needs, including 24-hour technical support, you can always rely on the Kegel Company. So go to kegel.net. Well, Phantom fans, this week we have yet another very special guest to talk to as we continue to interview who's who in the world of bowling in each and every area of our great sport. And this week's guest has been on our show several times. He's had a very interesting past. He worked for over 20 years in the major market radio in Cleveland, Ohio. He owned a business for over 35 years. And he was also the PBA Central Region Manager at one time. And he still bowls PBA events over 220 so far as a veteran of 20 years. Now he's a senior bowler. And he also writes books, a lot of books, in his retirement. So let's welcome back to the show my good old friend, the Z-Man, Gary Zwizinski. Hello, Gary, and welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Lenny. Thanks for having me on. I think this is number six for me with you. Well, you're up there with the... uh, Almost a double count, guys. Uh, the Salvinos and Jim Dressels and Larry Licksteins. I'm sure you're going to pass them before it's done. But, Pards, mm-hmm. I know you've written a ton of books, and you've been called prolific. And the last time you were here, you had about 40. So how many is it now? Well, well as of the show, I am working. On, actually, I'm going to finish up today. Book number 56. And uh, it's it's quite a few, I think. Uh, I've written two autobiographies in a set, seven children's books, 46 novels, and uh, busy, busy. It just keeps me hopping in my retirement. Oh, that's just crazy, you know. I've written three books that take me 20 years, but <laughs> and they're not even as thick as yours. But So as a writer, how does your process work with so many books? Well, each book I I look at as an individual. Once I'm done with the past one, it's gone. I mean, I literally couldn't even tell you who the characters are sometimes. And uh, I'm a little backwards from other book writers. I create the cover to my books uh, 
first. And then I kind of build my story off of the picture I see on the cover that I, I create. And uh, a lot of times um, it just kind of goes as I, once I start, it just kind of, the story develops as I go along. I don't have a, I don't have a direct ending. I, I just, every chapter is a new world for me and I create it into my mind. I'm very visual so I, I can see the characters like they're talking to each other and it just translates that into going onto paper. But it's, it's a process that when it starts, it goes very quickly, obviously, and the amount of books I've written in, in a short amount of time. It's, a, it's just a process that is unique to me, I guess, from what I'm hearing from other writers. Yeah, and your imagination is just fantastic. And, you know, I'm going to tell you this, and you've probably heard it before, but you are probably a genius. You'll never admit it. But to come up with this many stories and keep yourself busy like that, it's almost impossible. But I know you've done it, and I also know that you've met a ton of famous people along the way. Uh, tell me, how were you able to accomplish that? Well, uh, working in major market radio at WGAR Cleveland, we were the number one country music station in uh, the United States back in the 90s. And um, not only the country artists, but you know, I happened to run into movie stars and sports stars and all that. And because of where I worked, a lot of people came to us. We didn't have to go to them. And they would just uh, call us and say, hey, we're in town. Can we stop by and talk to you? And, and you know, I, I got lucky. The guy that did all the interviews, I was his security blanket. So he wanted me in the studio for every interview. So therein lies, I got to sit there with Charlie Daniels and Reba McIntyre and uh, the Oak Ridge Boys and Glenn Campbell and on and on and on. And then I covered the Cleveland Indians for a year and a half. So I got to be uh, friends with Jim Tomey and, and, you know, some of the big stars of that late 90s era. And uh, I'm not afraid to walk up to somebody in an airport that I see that's famous and say, hi, I'm Gary. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> that's cool. And I'm sure as sociable as you are, you don't have any trouble talking to all these people, you know, and, uh, speaking of famous people, uh, I got a little deal going here with a famous man. His name is Glenn Allison, and him and his company have come out with a new shirt. And it's a special announcement uh, given you by Phantom Radio. So get your pencil and paper ready because here's a chance to get a one-of-a-kind souvenir. It's a brand-new Glenn Allison 900 shirt. And you can enjoy a discount from Phantom Radio. And this 900 shirt has an image of Glenn, and it says, 900, I did it. So call his friend and manager, Jerry Hale, at 714-309-7587. And be the first in your area to get this historic souvenir shirt. Remember, call Jerry at 714 714- 309-7587. Be sure to mention Phantom Radio, and they'll give you a nice little discount. So, Glenn, good luck with that. I hope you have more luck with that than you did with the USB-C passenger score, which was a joke. <laughs> you heard about that, too, Gary, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I think if, you, if you're a bowler and you haven't heard about that, you're not a bowler. And that's uh, to me, that's one of the biggest... Um, things that has been wronged. Glenn was wrong years ago. I mean, he did it on a condition that you can't even dream of in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And talking about conditions, 
you know, I know you've been around for a long time and you've seen all the conditions, uh, not only the conditions, but also the different types of bowling equipment. You know, you, I know you started with plastic and you moved on to urethane and, and uh, probably reactive resin now and the particle technology, I'm sure. But, you know, I know you bowled on the PBA tour a lot of years. So give us a little background on how that went for you, Pards. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I even go back before that. I happened to live around the corner from John Fabinich, who invented the hammer bowling ball. Yeah. And I bowled with the old Fab balls, which were the forerunner of the hammer, and John would give me those to bowl with as a I, w- I was kind of a test pilot as a 18-year-old kid. And uh that that was just uh, an amazing time. John treated me like family and I would say, "Well, I want to buy a ball." He says, "No, you don't. You come to the house. I got to stack them in a the garage. Pick one." And uh it was it was a unique experience. Uh as far as bowling on tour, you know, I, I didn't even start till I was 44 years old, and I did okay for a guy with a bad knee and a bad shoulder. Um, I got a check here and there, um, a few checks over the years. I bowled the greats to the bowling world, and I, I you know, it, it was just a blast every time I went out there because you never knew. I mean, I got paired with Pete Weber and uh, had practice sessions with Parker Bone and Walter Ray, and back before there were cell phones, and I wish somebody had a camera because it was just Parker and Walter Ray and I practicing on a pair of lanes. And uh, it, it was just, it was great. Um, I, I could have bowled better at some times, but I was bowling injured a lot. I, I know I had some of the young kids come up to me and say, boy, I'd like to see you bowling when you were completely healthy. And I said, yeah, well, back in the day I was pretty good. But, you know, as you get older, the, the parts start breaking down. And uh, I, I think it was a, a great opportunity to be out there. I really enjoyed the experience. It was a dream of mine as a kid. Um, I had an opportunity when I was 21 to join the tour, and I shattered my right hand and got the cast off. And four days later, I shattered my right hand again, and I had to wait 23 years for my second chance. So wow. it was it was great to be out there. But I, I you know, I, I felt I was competitive. I mean, um, I bowled 220 some tournaments, and I I can say honestly, I finished last once, and that was the week after I made the finals. So that tells you how weird that is. So. <laughs> Yeah, from the outhouse to the penthouse and back down. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But uh, you know, I, I I held my own. I um I, I bowled the national tour. I bowled, I think, uh, almost twenty tournaments on the national tour, and uh, that was bowling the you know when you had to bowl the rabbit squads. And more than once, I missed a cut by you know two spares, and, and that was frustrating. But uh, it was a dream come true. I got to got to hang out with a lot of guys that I only saw on television when I was younger. Yeah, well, you know, you're a jack of all trades based on your resume that we talked about. And uh, I know for one thing that's for sure, I was the uh, Western Regional Manager for a while. You were the uh, Headquarters Regional Manager for a while. And the guys really respected you. You were a, a wonderful businessman. You were fair to everybody. And those two, that little story you gave about Parker and Walter Ray, I know you probably got a thousand stories. And in fact, I'm surprised you haven't written one of your books about your experiences out there. But you got a story you can share with us today? Well, let's see. Um, hmm. Stories that I can tell on the air. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Be careful. I'll tell you, you know, the, the, 
the going to dinner with the guys was it was always just a great time because I would sit there and, and soak up everything they were saying. And everybody was competitive on the lanes, but after you were done bowling, you know, you're just buddies and, and you'd go out to the lanes. The late Tony Reyes and the late Dave Giantremont, were my, uh, who was my old travel partner, were great examples of the established tour players helping out an old man, which is me, bowl better. They would uh, slip me a new ball, drill a certain way, or just work with me at a practice session. Um, it was just amazing how the guys – you know, would would come together and just be friends. And then, you know, once the bell rang, you know, it was all out trying to beat you. But um, those guys were just just wonderful to me, along with, I mean, I, mean, I could go down a whole list of, of people. Uh, Michael Haugen and I were both on a visionary staff way back when, when visionary was, had balls on tour. And uh, I remember he worked with me one whole day, um, just working with my position, my hand position and everything else. There was, just so much camaraderie out there that I enjoyed and I, uh, I miss going out with the national tour guys, but, um, you know, at, at 65 years old, everybody says, Oh, when you go out in the senior tour, it'll be easier. I think the year I went out, uh, guys named Weber and, uh, Walter Ray and those guys, Parker and those guys all came out about the same, not long after me and whatever. And I said, well, if you call that easier, I don't know what it is, but, uh, you know, I, I just enjoyed being out there. I enjoyed being around the guys. I mean, Dave uh, DeAntremont was, you know, a wealth of information. He also got a lot of guys to sit and chat with me. Um, a, lot, a lot of the guys would, would treat me pretty well because when I was regional manager and they would come to our region and they didn't want to bowl the pro-am, you know, Gary would let them off, and that, that made me in their good graces when we got out on the national tour because I'd let them slide now and then. But, uh, no, it, it was it was a great time out there, and uh, I'm not done. I've I still got a couple of tournaments left in me, but um, uh, there are a lot of a lot of the parts hurt pretty bad nowadays when I get done bowling, so I have to pick and choose when I'm going to do it. Uh, the, the lane conditions, as you said, starting out back in the old plastic days, uh, my first ball was a black beauty. And um, I had my first adult ball, my fingertip ball. And then, uh, then of course, then I went through all the fab ball phase with, with uh, John Fabinich. And then he came out with the hammer, and I had one of the first hammers uh, ever made. He uh, he slipped me. And, um, you know, we, we went through everything, uh, Angle, Brunswick, Storm, you name it. I pretty much have thrown it somewhere over the years. Yeah, I know you have. Oh, brother. So, you know, I'm looking at my notes here, and I've got about 20 more questions for you, but I can see by the old clock in the wall, we are running a little bit short on time. But I, I love that story uh, about you hanging around with the guys. And I, I've done, I don't know, 1,200, 1,300 interviews. And all the guys that I talked to that have bowled the tour, whether it be the regional tour or the national tour, they always talk about the camaraderie. And, you know, a lot of our good friends, and some of them are gone, darn it, but uh, Father Time does catch up. But most of our friends from the old days, they're all bowlers. And it's a wonderful group of people. The, the bowlers are the best I've ever been around. And the four years that I roomed with uh, Godman and uh, Berardi and Gearhart and Glover, uh, I would never turn that down. If I had a chance to do it, I'd do it all over again. So you mentioned DeAntremont. Uh, I know he was a good friend of yours, and we lost him early. Uh, I'm sure that uh, you still think of him a lot. I do with a lot of the guys I've lost. So uh, someday. Uh, that's for sure. 
That's for sure. Uh, and Dave is buried uh, not far from me. He lived not far from me, and I, I swing by his uh, his grave every now and then and, and kick his stone and yell at him for leaving so soon. But, uh, uh, yeah, you mentioned Jimmy Godman, and um, he was he lived in this area. He lived in Lorraine, right near where I was at, and, and we bowled league together one year. Wow. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned him, and I um, – I was a cocky kid back then, you know. I was I wasn't afraid of anybody, and uh, somebody said something, and it was, I think it was after he won his third tournament of champions or whatever. And I said, "I'm not afraid of Godman. I don't care." Well, Jim heard me. <laughs> okay. I shot I shot about 650 that night, feeling pretty good, except for I was heads up against him, which they did on purpose, and I got smoked by 125 pins. <laughs> well, and all he did is look at me and smile and walk away. That's nothing to be ashamed of. He was one of the top five of all time in my book. In fact, we just did a story uh, talking about the G Squad, and uh, Barry Asher said he was like God as far as he was concerned because Barry could play inside, but he saw Godman throw a few shots, and he got a little bit embarrassed because he didn't throw near the ball Godman did. What a truck he threw. Well, he was a, he was a really strong guy and um yeah he could do amazing things with the ball but uh yeah that was my uh my one heads up with uh jim godman and i i made sure that i didn't go heads up again if i could avoid it <laughs> <laughs> well he was strong as an ox they they called him tarzan but you know i met his son and jim was about 200 pounds about six feet tall strong as they called him tarzan well when i met his son he's about 235 with a 32 inch uh, waist, and his arms look like my legs. Uh, I wouldn't mess with him either. Either one of the two guys. Unreal. Well, and well, and Dave was a Giantron was a big boy. Yes, he was. He, he was about six two, and I think he went about two forty. And uh, I, I know that he gave me a couple of balls, and the first thing I'd have to do is plug the thumb hole and move it in about three quarters of an inch because <laughs> his span was somewhat wider than mine. So. <laughs> Well, I, I'm a big guy myself, but I remember shaking hands with Dave, and my hand got lost in his palm. He he had a moose of a hand. Oh, yeah. Well, and it showed on the lanes because he'd come out of that ball, and um, our old friend Randy Hart, you and I think have talked about it before, Randy Hart was the, the foul line guy one time, and he yeah. says that when DeAntremont or Roth threw the ball, it sounded different when it hit the lane coming off their hands because they had so much rev you know, be, this is back before the balls did a lot of the work. You know, <laughs> Dave sure. and, and Mark and, and those guys created the hook. Nowadays, all you have to do is basically throw the ball and pray it doesn't hook too much. Exactly. Well, listen, Pards, uh like I said, I could ask you a hundred more questions, but what I want to make sure is uh, that you, you give our listeners a way to check out how they can take a look at your books, uh, how they can buy them what your website is, give us as much information as you can. Well, I'll tell you, my website has got kind of a long name, but uh, if they get a pencil, they can write it down. It's called ZManAlmostFamous.com. That's ZManAlmostFamous.com. And if they want to email me at some point, it's ZManAlmostFamous at gmail.com. And uh, they can check out all the books. You can buy them right there online. The price on the books includes shipping and handling and everything else. And, uh, um, I, I carry the stock of books here. I don't sell them through a third party. And if somebody buys a book, I put it in the envelope myself, put a little letter in it, sign the book, and ship it off to them right away. 
Well, that's why they're inexpensive because you don't have any middlemen in between because you've sent me several of them and I get about halfway through and I get busy. I still got probably seven books here I haven't finished yet. So my son comes over and he grabs them from me. He says they're wonderful. There's no there's no murders in there. It's all romance, right? Uh, yeah, they're, they're romance novels, very much like Hallmark movies. Um, I figured I'd leave all the, the murder and mystery and all that to certain people that write, you know, that's their genre, like Stephen King and, and people like that. Mine uh, never started out to be that way. It started out as a kid who wanted to be in radio because that's what I knew. Next thing I knew, I thought, well, the kid probably should have a girlfriend. And, and from there, romance novels developed. <laughs> well, one last question, because I'm curious, uh, when you write these, and you have to make up these names. Do you use friends of yours' names or acquaintances? Or how do you get all the different names in there? I'll tell you what, Lenny. That is one of the hardest things for me to do is, yeah. is names and, and occupations. And I have a list in front of me now. And I go through and uh, if I go to a restaurant and there's a restaurant uh, nearby and we go there and, and they had a waitress. Her name was uh, Addie or Bryn or whatever, I'm scribbling that down or I'm sending myself text messages. And I, I have a list in front of me of probably 25 female names and 25 male names. And I try and use unusual. I, I try and avoid the Bill and Bob and Tom. Um, but, yeah. I, you know, I've got names on the list like Gabe and Kent and Stone and Wesley and women. I've got uh, Kiera, Jana, Libby, Becca, you know, different names and um that's that's where i come up with them uh, i've used a few of my friends i've actually used a few of my friends full names in the book um when i when i did one of the radio books uh i got permission from a couple of the old guys that i worked with at wgar and i put them in the book cool well you're a genius in my my mind and uh your voice still sounds great it's great hearing from you again i'm gonna have you on every once in a while you let me know when you have some of these releases, and I wish you the most success, Pards. And Phantom fans, the old clock and all does tell me that we're about out of time, but we look forward to talking to all of you again next week. We'll have another interesting guest to talk to. I want to thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling, also Brad Edelman from the High Rollers, and Dave Kowalski, the bowling guru from Michigan. I'm going to give you the last word, my friend, so go for it. Well, it's uh, always a pleasure being on with you, Lenny, and uh, I really appreciate uh, you giving me some time to hawk my books and uh, talk a little bowling. It's, I'll talk bowling all day long. You know that. And uh, it's uh, it's just a real pleasure every time we get a chance to, to get together. We've uh, known each other since, well, it's 2004. Uh, really bad situation when we met, but We've known each other for, well, that makes it, what, 18 years now since uh, Mr. Ottman has passed away. I'll tell you, Dan Ottman, I miss him to this day, my friend, and, and me and you got to re relocate again together and see each other. Uh, there was nothing bad between me and you, just the loss of him, and he's very, very much missed. Uh, very much so. He's uh, I, That's who I took over for when I took over the Central Region, and uh it was awful big shoes to fill, and I I, um, I tried my best to do what Dan did, and that was follow the rules. Well, I'll tell you what, he was a, a bowling god. Uh, nobody loved bowling more than him, and he, he gave his whole life to the sport, and we miss him, but 
I got to close, Bart. Thanks again for being here from Phantom Radio. This is the Phantom. When you're down and troubled and you need some loving care and nothing, well, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me And soon I'll